Well, welcome back, Fungo Banter fans. I am Eric Sorensen, head coach at Kittas High School here at Big Country Studios in Ellensburg, Washington. Uh, we're going to be joined in just a second by Kelly Gal, head coach at St. Martin's University, head coach Jason Jarrett from Tri-Cities Prep, and our guest today is Jesse Benedetti from East Valley High School. Going to talk a little bit about his program, going to talk about the All-State Series there in Yakima. Uh, great interview, super pumped about it. Hope you guys like it. Feel free to share on Twitter. Uh, follow us at Fungo Banter PNW. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Now let everybody know. Let this get this Northwest baseball coaching tree. All listen to the same podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so without further ado, let's bring on our guest of the week. All right, Fungo Banter fans, we're back with our guest of the week, head coach Jesse Benedetti of East Valley High School. Coach, thank you for joining us and welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, had a good time uh, hearing your previous broadcast. Um, in fact, I'd love to coach at Biola. That's a dream job. Um, but uh, yeah, and even Jason. You know, but if he shows up with another ninety-plus guy next time I play him, we might no longer no longer be friends. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Anything, man. I'm bringing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, first question we're going to ask, hard hitting one right away. What's your favorite fungo? Uh, it's the SSK. I like the big guy, the 37 inch uh, SSK. Because I'm getting older, I need the extra pop. Um, in all honesty, we've actually kind of weight quite a bit from fungo use in the last few years using more machines. But um, yeah, I definitely need that extra pop to get it to the outfield. Yeah, I think we can all. So, are you going to be one that could be on this fungo golf tournament here? Then, I love some fungo golf. So perfect. Um, we get out of this. Uh, maybe we can set up a tea time. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. <laughs> well, you know, we we've gone through everybody. You know, the guests that come on. We want to know about your background as a player growing up, and and what got you into coaching, and and what led your coaching to where you're at now. All right. Uh, well. My playing career is not very exciting. I went to West Valley, uh, and right before I became a high school baseball player, my dad, who had been the coach there for about 15 years, resigned. And uh, so I didn't get to play for him. Um, but I played there and actually went to YBC on scholarship. And just kind of when I showed up, I was kind of burned out of baseball. So um, right away, I played a couple years for the Pepsi Pack. So Archer gave me a job coaching with the Peppers, and I mean, I don't know how old I was. I had to be 19, 20 years old, and I started coaching right then and there, and I've been coaching ever since. I never wanted to get into coaching either, so that's kind of the funny part. Um, just kind of worked out that way. Well, that's awesome. So what got you, so you went from there, did you go straight to East Valley from there? Yeah, uh, so I was hired, well, 98, 99. I believe it was uh head coaching job came open. The only experience I had was coaching um, out with the Peppers. And I, w- I applied for the head job, and my dad worried that I'd be eaten alive by parents. At, I think I was 22, 23 years old. He thought he'd apply as well, thinking if they went with somebody with you know, 25 years of experience outside of the district, he'd get hired. And if they didn't, I'd get hired. They're the only two applicants uh, interviewed against each other, um, and he got the job. Sucker, I'm <laughs> forgiving him, but 
So uh, we did three years together where he was the head and Craig Hyatt and myself were his assistant coaches and Mike Bailey, in fact, is another one that was there. And so we um, coached together for three years. I think that was about 2002 that, uh, 2001-2002 that I took over. Well, Kelly, I think you got a question for him about the uh, his program. Well, I don't know about question. We're having a good conversation <laughs> here. Just some baseball <laughs> chatter, us pent up. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I think all of us coaches are learners no matter, no matter what level. Uh, and I think sometimes we get stuck in, well, someone's here or there, so things must be better or whatnot. But Honestly, I think for myself and others, it's it's trying to learn from other people and, and what works well at at their programs and try to be great thieves. That I think that we all are trying to look for that that next great drill or practice plan or something like that. So I'd love to dive in a little bit. Um, just what a what a daily practice is like at East Valley. Some kind of maybe absolutes you guys maybe work into a practice plan every day. If that's daily drills, maybe a specific drill you like to do. What's kind of what's kind of the the priorities for you guys? Yeah, uh, good question, and uh, definitely we we steal more stuff than than we're able to provide other coaches. Um, but we, uh, um, yeah, we our daily stuff. We actually do um, some stuff with plyo balls right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, my son trained at driveline. I was able to go mm-hmm. there quite a bit, and. Uh, we felt if the pitchers were going to do stuff with plyo balls and wrist weights and Jager bands, that everybody mm-hmm. should do it. So we actually run everybody through um, in about 15, 20 minutes uh, stretching and plyo ball drills um, for arm strengthening. And um, I've really enjoyed that, seeing a lot of development from kids that way. Um, and then we go into a lot of times uh, our position time because we want the stuff we're doing from positions to lead into our team drill. So if we're doing cuts and relays for team drill, we'll review different things during our position time mm-hmm. as far as that goes. Um, but we really we try to give kids a lot of the ownership in in how they're training and, and uh, our environment. I feel like their success on the field is going to be dictated by the kind of environment we have. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, we try to establish an environment with the kids and then give them the ownership of it. And so whatever drills we're doing, uh, there's, there is some time in there where they're developing and working on their specific mm-hmm. um, things they feel they need to work on, whether it's hitting or building or whatever. But um, I guess uh, our biggest stress with our practices is we want to make them stressful and harder than games. Mm-hmm. So whether we're doing position time or, team time or hitting time, we want to stress our kids out and we have to repeatedly um, remind them that that's kind of our goal um, so they're not, their heads aren't sucking a lot, but um, we definitely want to stress them out in a practice situation and make it difficult so that games are easier for them and there's not as much thinking involved, it's just reaction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anytime our team drills, um, that's what we're, we're pushing that. Um, we're pushing it during defense, and then when we go into hitting, we might, uh, like right before we went to, uh, you know, our, our shutdown, we were throwing out the two machines and doing curveball, fastball, mm-hmm. and watching the kids get blown up. But mm-hmm. we have to, you know, constantly remind them that, um, you know, what the goal is coming out of that. 
But that, I, we don't have any really, uh, I guess, specific aha drills that we do other than we just really want to stress our kids out and make competition and the stress of a practice um, difficult for them so that the, the games come easier. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think that we're all on the same same page with that and, and try to do some of that on a daily basis. Uh, let's let's expand a little bit. I know for us, to, from a defensive standpoint, we try to do the same thing with uh, making it a little bit harder than what the game is going to be like. What are some kind of specifics you guys use? Is it is it stopwatches? Is it putting base runners up the line to make it quicker? What, what type of things you do there to stress that defense? Oh yeah, we'll we'll do all that. Like, just like you said, we'll do the stopwatches when when we're turning double plays. Uh, we'll put guys up the line. We'll put base runners out there. Um, we do a thing. Um, we hadn't got to it yet this year. Where um, after we introduce you know all our core like run defenses and first and thirds, we do a mm-hmm. we script out situations, mm-hmm. and we'll do twelve infield situations in a matter of like eight to ten minutes, and wow. everything revolves. It's all scripted. Coach Hyde was coach third base, albeit home plate. Mm-hmm. And we, for example, we'd have a guy on first, and um, he would call, um, and just like I said, just infield. He'd call uh, a bunch offense, and I would call a defense because mm-hmm. I'm at the plate. And um, kids have to react and, and go with what, what's going on. I could end up doing a slug bunt out of the drill, or everything's involved the back door. So every time we do a bunt play or a first and third play, we're throwing back doors and we're encouraging the kids to get rundowns. Mm-hmm. So in a 10-minute span, we can do six, eight rundowns. Uh, we'll have four or five back picks. We'll pick some bases. We'll go hit like every bunt D and first and third D, and then we'll throw a new pitcher out there mm-hmm. and do another set of scripts. And we'll we'll do those a couple days a week and run each pitcher out there. And there's no time to rest so it's just right. quick reacting quick reacting quick reacting um and uh i i found that 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 series of drills is probably the biggest thing that pushes our kids in that in that idea yeah i think just the chaos of of having to go through that many scripted things in in a row i can only imagine being a younger player doing that the first time just head spinning of i go where now and do this now yeah and, and that's where kind of that you get that first at bat or that first ground ball in a game. And it's like, well, I just have gone through such a, such a harder thing in practice. And like you said, I'm, I'm much more prepared for this situation right away. But I think that's one of the problems we get with is we all drop these great practice plans. I'm sure you did this for the very first time and you went out and put it into place. And it was probably another nightmare, just guys everywhere, balls everywhere, <laughs> this and that. And then you get back and it's like, ah, what was, what was I thinking with this? And, and I, I yeah. think, I think what we go back to is, is if, if effort's really good and if attitude's really good and, and whatnot within a drill, we want to stay with it, even if it's bad, because we know that that kind of utter chaos and, and that learning process is happening yeah. so much more than hitting a, you know, a fungo to a line of five guys and have everything yeah. be scripted and predictable. And, and uh, so I love that. That's, that's awesome. Appreciate it. And I, no problem. I struggle with it. Like when we first, implemented every year and i i i want perfection and and it it really eats at me when you know we don't have a down right off the bat mm-hmm. and when a 10 minute drill takes 20 minutes it just yeah that's the tough part well, you got to keep right. remembering that it's a, it's a process <laughs> Absolutely. 
Yes. Talk about, you, you mentioned uh, when you were asked about your fungo, but you guys have gone to using more machines throughout your practice and hitting yeah. ground balls, fly balls? Yes. Uh, well, I, I've coached with Craig Hyatt. He's a brewing guy for, what, 20-some years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, he'll do a lot of research and come in. And, you know, one of the things he started looking over was just the different spins, different positions were seen. Because as of, like, right now, all three of the varsity coaches that we have are all left-handed swingers. <laughs> and we're hitting ground balls to a third baseman. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And how often really is a left-handed batter hitting a, uh, you know, a backspin, one hopper, two hopper to a third baseman? It's mm-hmm. really not. So we started charting a lot of stuff and researching a lot of stuff and seeing what kind of ground balls are hit our positions. And, mm-hmm. and even with just our own team, like, if who's on the mound or is our shortstop getting more ground balls or is our third baseman? And um, so we started trying to implement the same type of ball they would see in a game and adjusting the spin off a machine to do that. So we'd get top spin ground balls to the third baseman. And for some reason, we get a lot of ground balls in the sixth hole um, at our level. Uh, I think a lot of hooking the ball and that kind of stuff. And so moving our third baseman back and up into the sixth hole a little bit and letting them see some balls kind of in that mm. in that six hole um, that are top spin coming off a right-handed bat, just just using um, the machines to do that has it, been a huge uh, change in the, for us in the last two, three years. Mm. That's awesome. That's got, uh, I know we started using some more machine, and it also made our drills quicker and, and more effective and more reps too. Yeah, yeah. And, if, you know, I, I mentioned Haya, but he, he's a crappy fungal hitter. And so, um, he has these great, like, drop shot, drop shot, you know, tennis balls. And what's funny is kids actually get those in the game and they get pretty excited. But, um, you know, we also need to introduce them to top spin ground balls, that kind of stuff as well. Well, Jesse, we know that you're not only a head coach there at East Valley and you're doing a phenomenal job, but you're kind of a man of many hats, you know, and, uh, kind of want to transition over to our All State series. I know. You've been doing this for some time. So is there can you give us kind of a basic history of, of the All Allstate uh, series and and how how did it get started and has it always been a, a fourteen format? I mean just kind of give us some yeah. background okay. on that. Yeah. Um, you know, what's funny is like I mentioned before, I was really never honestly never had it as a goal to get into coaching and I never really wanted to be have anything to do with like all state or the coaches association and somehow some way I've been involved in all of it now. Uh, but <laughs> God's got a sense of humor, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I started off state. Um, they used to be in Wenatchee at Eastmont High School um, mm-hmm. up until like, 2007 was when it moved. And uh, my dad and Mel Moore and Pete Orgiel were actually the ones that wanted to take it over in Yakima. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're actually told um, that it won last three years in Yakima. And so their goal was wow. to make it to last at least five. Um, and so uh, they they started off in 2007. I wasn't involved with it. And then um, my dad got really sick. And my mom called me and had me come to the house. And he was kind of in the fetal position, couldn't move. I don't even remember what was wrong with him, but it was horrible. So I just grabbed kind of all the information he was working on and, and kind of took it from there and then, they haven't been able to get rid of me since. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, 
And so I started doing stuff then, and, and uh, he passed away um, just a few years ago, and, and Mel stepped away, and Dad stepped away, and mm. um, I don't even remember what year was it um, they stopped it. Um, it just kept getting bigger and, and bigger and bigger from from two th- 2007 and on, and um, it's always been four teams. I, I, when they were in East Wenatchee, I know it was, I think it was four teams, and what they did was they go, like the bigger school would combine with a smaller school for a team, um, and then the two middle-sized schools maybe for a team. Uh, I'm not really sure. I actually had never been up there um, as a part of that. Um, we knew right off the bat that we wanted to have four teams and four games, two games Saturday, two games Sunday. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's been really cool because, like, um, I think it's now last year, last year, the year before we added the hall of fame banquet for the coaches association mm-hmm. with yeah. it. And it's turned into like a $30,000 weekend <laughs> um, of baseball yeah. and coaching camaraderie. And, um, Adidas donates like 10 grand in the uniforms for the kids to keep. Oh, wow. Um, but Larry gives all the kids plaques and all, all the coaches association winners. They donate that and bottom donates balls and bats and, we had like uh, Rainier, the Rainiers just jumped on board, Coca Cola, um, and some local businesses, and AstroTurf mm. just jumped on, and uh, wow. we just keep getting more and more. We want to broadcast it, so if that's uh, in your guys' wheelhouse, that's <laughs> um, kind of the next big goal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if our technology is there yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm putting that out there for you. Right. It's been. It's been uh, really cool. It's something I will continue to do as long as they'll let me do it. Um, it's kind of when Dad got out of it, um, Nick Aloisio from Franklin Pierce and Glenn Walker from Auburn Mountain View and Brian Jackson, who's been really big as our president of the Coaches Association from Grand Capasso, and they've kind of um, really been a big, big help in organizing all this and adding the banquet to it. We started a coaches weekend or coaches golfing dinner on Friday uh, before the All-State game, so we all go out golfing and then um, end up having dinner together. I think last year we had about 30 coaches. Mm. So that's really cool. So it's a camaraderie weekend for coaches and a really cool um, opportunity for kids. We've had kids drafted during the game. Hmm. Um, I've even had a kid, we had a kid from Southridge fly in, he was in Florida for a pro workout and flew back in right to Yakima just so he could be there for the second game. That's awesome. Um, just really cool stuff that kids have done to be a part of it over the years. Well, Jesse, I know I've been part of it and it, you do a fantastic job and it, it's so much fun. Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a great weekend. It's one of those, you know, even as a coach, to, it's one of those times you just, you don't forget, you know, kind of put it in the memorabilia kind of booklet and you, and you kind of store it for a lifetime. So my next question for you is this being that where you got this COVID-19, how does that going to affect the, the possible series that takes place in June? And are we still on? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm uh, dragging my feet. I don't want to cancel it at all. Um, more or less because this could be um, maybe the only baseball experience these kids will get this year. Um, right. We don't go back and appreciate the kind of words you said too. And it's awesome having, having you out there. It gives me chills yeah. when I hear people talk about how much they enjoy it. Um, yeah. so, um, but yeah, as far as the, I, I'm holding out, um, 
I'm holding out hope even if it's a baseball game and we give the kids the plaques to the baseball game instead of having a banquet. Um, I know, and one of the guys going to the Hall of Fame this year is a good friend of mine, Greg Swenson, and I really want him, I, I, I really want that to go because of what, what a good person he is. So um, I'm just holding out, um, but, you know, I'll, I'll adhere to any any guidelines the state puts out. I've also uh, looked into adding a junior game this year um, just because if there's no kids, I mean, if we end up getting our spring season canceled, you know, and, and June rolls around and they say, you know, we can congregate again or whatever, and these mm-hmm. kids didn't get a season, I would love to be able to offer them, you know, the same type of thing we offer the seniors. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, that is awesome. But I yeah, so for right now, I have no idea. We're just kind of dragging our feet. Uh, I'm waiting. I mean, I've already purchased the insurance and everything like that for the games. And, mm-hmm. um, we've ordered the uniforms and all that kind of stuff. So we're just holding out. But we need to be smart with it, too. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of families that come to this. And you don't want anybody um, walking away sick or mm-hmm. something happened. Because Absolutely. Well, I know I want to echo what jason said i was able to go to the hall of fame banquet last year for coach Watkins. yeah inducted and that was a fun evening that's for dang sure so if you haven't bought your tickets to that and it, it does happen this year coaches that's that's quite fun and it's an awesome experience yeah well, thank you i didn't get to go last year it was my daughter's high school graduation so i had to sneak out that's a pretty good reason um, to miss that's it. That's the only one I've missed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, all, all these kids are hundreds. Kids missed their high school graduation just to come to the game and take mm-hmm. uh, And I stuck out, but it was for good reason, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Jesse, we really appreciate you coming on. And, and uh, you know, hopefully hopefully we can be wishing you a good luck for the season. And, and uh, you know, thanks for being a part of the Coaches Northwest uh, fraternity. Hey, well, uh, thank you very much, and it definitely is that just out of fraternity. And um, I don't, you know, my greatest memories from from coaching um, all are about kids and coaches. I mean, all you guys um, out there in this Northwest—it's been awesome camaraderie, um, and boy, it's it's been enjoyable for twenty plus years just because of that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's for sure. Well, we'll be right back to wrap things up with Jason and Kelly and, and thank you coach again and we'll be right back. Thanks coach. Thanks. 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 Well fans we're back. That was such a fun interview guys. Let's wrap this thing up today. Uh let's what is each of you what did we'll each go through and and what was your take from that interview? Kelly you you kick off. Oh uh, yeah, it was it was good to hear from from Jesse and get a get a feel for some of the drills and and what a daily practice looks like. Um I, I think from a college standpoint I'm, I'm very interested in, in hearing hearing you guys kind of go through what the high school practice is like which is that limited amount of time that you have before you get started I mean we have the full year to plan through things um, can take our times with activity um, but for you guys it's diving right in as soon as that March 1st or, or the end of February date hits um, so I, I really like that chaos drill um, talking about having scripts some people I've been around, we've, we've done other things. University of Washington, when I was there, we did a, a, a drill called Street Monkey, and it was three consecutive ground balls in a row. Uh, it was a 5-4-3 five, a five, into a 3-6-3 three, three, into a 3-1, a you know, a flip to the pitcher at first base. 
and then that would switch, you know, a six, four, three into a, you know, a five, three, and then a, maybe a, a three, six, two, a comebacker to a, to a, or a, I should say a two, six, three, a comebacker to a pitcher. But I think the more chaos and, and, and pace and tempo we can put into practice, um, it, it really helps guys to learn that game speed. Um, just off there, we were talking with, with Jason and I were talking um, about trying to keep guys engaged and active. And, yeah. and uh, a lot of times it goes to fight or flight, right? If, if, yeah. if a ball's yeah. coming at my face, I got no time to talk <laughs> to the guy standing behind me. Um, yeah. So I, I think that the more pace and tempo and, and, and chaos we can create in practices, um, one guy's learned to adapt. They learn to play fast. And uh, it it really helps with that kind of the flow of things. Yeah, Kelly, I, I I would say I agree with that. I mean, what you're talking about, you know, for high school side of things, we're only given, you know, for for like for us at Trade Two Prep, I only got 120 minutes, you know, of practice to, mm-hmm. to take place, and so it's like a matter of starting and going. And you know, I mean, when you're in a game and you're playing, you got especially if you're playing a revival, you know, another uh competitive you know cross town rival team yeah there's gonna be a lot of large chatter going around outside of you and so there's a, a sense of yeah you got to hone you know throw your players in call them in so you know they understand all that chaos you know so they're mm-hmm. used to it you know it's it's kind of like i talked to eric about this kind of like you know and you could probably vouch for this in the morning or you know you're raising kids you know, it seems like every time I get on the phone, it's like my kids want to go crazy. It's like, so I got to focus on the, you know, the conversation and, and kind of exclude the chaos. But yeah, you know, I, I think that's really cool, neat how Jesse runs that. You know, uh, you know, organization time is essential, especially mm-hmm. for us high school coaches. And in you know, in uh, your players, what to expect going out to practice is huge. And so that's a huge kudos to Jesse. And, and keeping that intensity going, you know, I, I, I think that's something we could all learn too, a little bit, how to, you know, get a little bit more, you know, intense with our practice and different things to pick up, you know, what, and what he's doing there. And so, um, you know, Eric, what, what are your thoughts on, on that? I mean, you know, the last two, even the, the episode with coach Calhoun talking about, um, how well and how efficient the practices are. And I, you know, starting off, I would run the longest practice ever. We'd be out there till dark. And I knew that this year I need to make a change to be able to get out of there earlier. Um, I think, and the, and the whole point of that and what my off season was, you know, how do I become so efficient at practice that we can cut it down to two hours or less, but yet we are going to get every single rep, every single situation and not lose out in the baseball aspect of things. And I think having the scripted mm-hmm. thing, you know, how he script his infield stuff, how he there's machines and, and shooting ground balls and different things. And, and you're just being more efficient in what you're doing. And I thought that was phenomenal. And, you know, I think the kids appreciate that too. And when they know there's a direction, there's a, something to they know exactly what's got to go on and this is what we're going to get better at. And this is where we're going to go today. And we do it in a timely manner that it's, it makes practice so much more efficient and you become such a better player. And it even makes you a better coach too, because you're having to do such a better job at planning things out. Right. Yeah. There, sure. There's something to add to that guys is that this year, you know, I got a little bit more organized in the sense of our practices that um, I've always written out our practices, knew what we we're going to do, but I reported, you know, I had it written out on our whiteboard in our clubhouse and 
So the guys coming in, they knew exactly what to expect. Mm-hmm. And, and after we go from dynamic to four corner throwing to right into our practice, it was kind of interesting. The first week of practice, one of the players, he's a sophomore, uh, comes up to me, you know, right at the end of practice, like, coach, are we done with practice or we got more things to do? And I'm like, Hey man, we're already two hours in we're, we're finished up. It's uh, mm-hmm. six o'clock. And he's like, Whoa, are you serious? Mm-hmm. Said, That's what it is when you, you got a, a time, a, a plan of execution, you know? And I think that correlates over to, you know, for you, Kelly, I mean, it helps kind of prepare your guys are coming into your program. Right. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest thing I've, I've been thinking about and sharing this, and I know we'll get this theme as we continue in, but, the game never changes, right? From mm-hmm. from when you're younger, yeah, the bases get a little bit longer. But once you're at high school, going to the college level, or that's junior college or the four year level, the game never changes. It's always the same game. It's a round ball. It's sixty foot six inches. It's ninety feet to first base. But the speed of the game changes. Guys get quicker. Right. Guys get faster. So we just have to learn to be more efficient and 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 efficient in a a tighter window. Um, and and time and space are are two of the biggest things when I talk with, with infield coaches that, that I talked to quite a bit, Billy Boyer is a guy, hopefully we were able to get on at some point in time uh, with the Minnesota twins. Him and I talk a lot about just that efficiency of work and, and really breaking down the, this is the way it's always been. This is the way I was taught and really pushing thought into why do we do it this way? Is there a better way? And and how can we teach it? So um, mm-hmm. yeah. And this, in this deal, it's just, continuing to learn from each other and and hopefully get a little bit better in the process absolutely well guys that wraps things up for this episode and thank you again to jesse benedetti from east valley high school uh check us out on twitter at uh, fungo banter pnw uh share some tweets get on there get we'll get interactive with you and and we're on apple podcast google podcast and spotify you know share the northwest baseball love and and until next time take care of one another stay healthy and let's get back on the baseball field